pandemic has really hit different sectors of the aviation market differently. Welcome to the Velocity podcast by management consulting firm, Oliver Wyman. Join Tom Cooper and Brian Prentice for this episode where they will discuss the implications for the MRO market as we start to see signs of recovery in 2021 and over the next 10 years. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Velocity Podcast. I'm Brian Prentice, a partner in the transportation practice at Oliver Wyman. And joining me today is my good friend and colleague, Tom Cooper, who's a vice president with our Oliver Wyman CAVIC division. Tom, we have a really interesting conversation today around fleet forecast and MRO survey we've done, and I'm really looking forward to hosting this conversation with you. I couldn't agree more, Brian. We've got a great discussion planned. In today's episode, we'll be having a conversation around MRO demand, critical market trends, and their corresponding implications for airlines as the aviation industry emerges from the COVID-19 crisis and fallout. Great. Thank you, Tom. Looking forward to it. So why don't we jump straight into the conversation? From all the work that you and your team have done over the last year, could you talk a little bit about what are the implications for the MRO market as we start to see signs of recovery in 2021 and over the course of the next 10 years? Before COVID-19, the global fleet and industry at large had been on a very positive trajectory. And this was particularly true in the second half of the last decade when low jet fuel prices really enhanced profitability. As this decade begins, the industry faces more uncertainty than it has in more than 20 years, starting off with a disruption wrought by the pandemic. The 10-year forecast period starts slowly with growth picking up steam in the second half of 2022 after the fleet finally recovers to its pre-COVID January 2020 level. Still, aviation MRO is not expected to catch up with pre-COVID projections by the end of the 10-year forecast period. Tom, looking at the numbers, right, it looks like at the end of 10 years, we're going to be about a year or two shy of previous projections. It's almost like the COVID-19 pandemic has really set the MRO industry back 24 to 36 months. As we think about the last decade of aviation, and you said it earlier, you said low fuel prices, there was great growth of the middle class, there was constrained capacity around the world. It really drove great profitability and great growth for airlines globally. As we look at the post-COVID-19 pandemic world, do you see the growth returning for the MRO market? Or how do you see it really impacting? Maybe we won't get to the numbers that we saw before, but do you think the growth will be as strong year over year coming out of the pandemic or once we're back into a normal level of activity for airlines? The recovery is going to be very interesting as we come out of this incredible trough that we've experienced with with COVID and the significant drop in demand that took place. We're going to see a pretty steep recovery into the middle of the 10-year forecast period, and we'll actually achieve a level of MRO activity in the middle of the forecast period that's roughly on par with what we would have expected pre-COVID. But then growth really flattens out toward the second half of the forecast period, and the growth rate is significantly less than it would have been pre-COVID in the second half. Over this 10-year period, we're going to see about $132 billion less of MRO activity 
over the 10-year period than we would have had pre-COVID. Wow. Is that driven primarily by utilization or is there a fundamental shift in the number and types of aircraft that are going to be operating around the world? It's a fundamental shift in the fleet mix that we're experiencing. We're going to see growth rates for narrow-body aircraft rise, and that's really coming at the expense of wide bodies. Popularity of narrow-body aircraft is increasing, and this has been going on for some time now, as the capability of narrow-body aircraft has improved. They have longer range now. They have great seat mile economics, and they've been just incredibly more versatile in their role in most airline fleets and have really fit the trend toward upgaging that many carriers have experienced and also very good for low-cost carriers as well. We expect the trend toward more narrow bodies to continue as uh, fleets get realigned as a result of COVID-19. I agree with you wholeheartedly. The story is narrow bodies seem to really be the future of the operations. And you can see that really in wide body aircraft production. We've seen a significant decline because of COVID-19's impact on long haul travel demand. And really over the next 10 years, we expect wide body production to be as much as 40% below what we saw pre-COVID unless we get a faster than expected recovery in those long haul routes. And really what this is gonna do, and I think which is fascinating from an MRO perspective, it's going to accelerate that shift. Like you said, we saw it coming already where narrow bodies were gonna take over, but narrow body is going to be the predominant fleet type in the global fleet in the next 10 years, but also it's going to shift to newer technologies, younger aircraft, new engines, new engine variants, and new technologies, which I think is also then going to drive a little bit of a different requirement for the MRO community. Tom, as you are thinking about what's going to happen as we make this shift into younger aircraft and narrow body aircraft, Wide bodies aren't going to go away entirely, but we'll definitely see extra large variants, very large aircraft. And we saw some of those fleets parked and impacted very, very dramatically during COVID-19. What do you think that's going to do both from an MRO perspective, but also maybe from an availability of used materials and long-term impacts on the MRO market? Yeah, your observations there on the wide body fleet and retirements in general are, are dead on. There's definitely been a spike in retirements as a result of the COVID cutbacks. And we've seen entire fleets of wide-body aircraft really in North America and Western European markets. You've seen airlines just basically retire entire fleets of old wide-bodies. There will be a little bit of a delay as those aircraft enter the teardown cycle, but ultimately over the next couple of years, that material will flow into the pipeline and that USM will have a significant impact on material prices on those models. I agree. It's going to take a little bit of time for that USM to hit into the market, but there's always another use for retired wide body or old aircraft is conversion into freighters. So as you think about the mix and the shift of aircraft over time, do you think that this new supply of tired passenger aircraft for available for freighter conversion is it going to change the balance between the number of cargo aircraft and passenger aircraft or how do you think about that over the next decade? Yeah, well, just in terms of sheer numbers, passenger aircraft dominate the fleet, and that will continue. Of the more than 36,000 aircraft that we anticipate being in the fleet by 2031, 34,000 of those are going to be passenger aircraft. 
from a cargo perspective, as measured by freight ton kilometers, they've declined by 11% in 2020, but capacity was down 24%. And that was really a result of the reduction in passenger travel in 2020, especially wide bodies on long haul routes that have really abundant amounts of belly cargo space, which is typically offered to fly cargo and does move a lot of cargo in normal times. So all of that capacity was taken out of the market as the international passenger traffic has declined. And so the cargo carriers have had to pick that up and they are extremely busy right now. Cargo carriers are going to have a significant impact on global recovery as we go forward. They're a key part of the vaccine distribution network. IATA's estimated that providing a single dose of vaccine to each person in the world would fill up 8,000 747 cargo aircraft. The number of cargo aircraft, now 9% of the fleet, is expected to grow 2.4% annually over our forecast period, which is on par with the 2.3% growth in the previous decade. Historically, cargo growth has been concentrated in wide bodies, but those aircraft will account for just about a third of the growth in cargo over the forecast period, especially as narrow-body aircraft enter the cargo fleet in bigger numbers and really fill out the fleets of the e-commerce providers. That's super interesting, Tom. The pandemic has really hit different sectors of the aviation market differently. So cargo operators are definitely flying more and seeing increased volumes, cargo-only operators. From a passenger perspective, it's played out very differently. And we're starting to see the recovery play out differently as well. There are some domestic markets around the world that are already close to a return to demand levels pre-pandemic, and others aren't even halfway there yet. But one of the things that is common around the world is that international traffic is down and is down dramatically across all regions. Could you talk a little bit about how you see those regional trends emerging over the next couple of years? And then also, how does that impact the recovery forecasts from the MRO perspective that we've made? Sure. It's a pretty complicated picture. And there are a lot of things driving that passenger demand recovery. There's obviously the COVID epidemiological factors and how that's playing out around the world that are critical. Also, we have the product of that are government restrictions that get put in place that really affect cross-border travel as governments worry about importing COVID infection into their uh, domestic populations. So the way all that plays out over time is really going to affect the way international demand recovers. But in regions where we have significant domestic travel, the recovery can be somewhat better. And uh, China is a great, great example of that. China in spite of the international restrictions, China is one of uh, two regions that actually experienced growth in 2020. And that was driven by their early success containing the virus and then their sizable domestic market. India similarly had some early success with the virus and actually grew during the COVID peak of 2020. The situation there has changed significantly and we can expect uh, India to be to really struggle in their recovery in the near term as they go through a peak. North America and Western Europe had a very difficult time in 2020. Western Europe more so than North America, where we see government restrictions and restrictions on travel really, really affecting their recovery. 
North America did better domestically and is leading North America a little bit right now. But we really saw in both of in North America and Western Europe, a significant contraction and a staggering number of retirements, really. As North American and Western Europe carriers realigned their fleets for the pandemic and the post-pandemic market, they really represent the bulk of retirements that we have been seeing in the world. Western Europe right now is only flying 77% of the fleet it was flying pre-COVID, much, much lower. And they had a low of 22% of the fleet flying in April 2020. And they still have more than 1,200 aircraft in storage. Eastern Europe is a much brighter story. They benefit from some low-cost carriers that are very well positioned and have been very successful in operating in the COVID environment. Middle East is a very interesting situation. Most all of their traffic, it's heavily weighted toward international flows. They were particularly uh, hardened by the pandemic and the restrictions on international travel. And their recovery is going to be paced by, by government actions for sure. And they're likely going to have to receive some significant financial support. By region, by country, and by segment, we're seeing different rates of recovery around the world. And it's definitely going to be a different trajectory for each one of these, these market segments. The good news is it's still a pretty healthy market. And by 2030, the MRO demand anticipated to get back to that $115 billion, a little bit less, about 15% less than our pre-COVID estimates of about $135 billion for 2030. But this long-term decrease, as we talked about earlier, reflects the change in the underlying fleet and number of aircraft that are going to be operating out there. In the next couple of years, many of the aircraft that were either just delivered or will be delivered are going to hit pretty expensive and pretty large maintenance events. And if we have an accelerated recovery or as things start to come back and OEMs can increase production rates slightly faster than we think now and and we see some positive upside, MRO spend could go up a little bit in a prolonged recovery in a worst case scenario where maybe we think OEMs keep production rates low and we have a slower growth. The MRO spend could be as little as maybe 103 billion by 2030, but that's really not a huge range given the way that MRO is structured and the requirements to keep aircraft operating. It still seems to be a very good, it's a strong, it's a robust market and a good time good place for us all to be. As you think about the next decade, where do you think real opportunities could come from for folks in the MRO industry or in MRO services to provide better services and opportunities for them and their customers? Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Brian. Certainly the environment is going to be challenged and rates of growth will probably be less over the long term than maybe we would have hoped pre-COVID. There is a lot of near-term recovery expected as we come out of the trough and that we experienced last year and we see airlines restore fleets and flying schedules very, very quickly. So the opportunity is really going to lie in MROs that focus on the fleets that we expect to see grow in the near term. And of course, you know, you're going to see your 737 MAX, A320, NEOs, 787s, A350s will really carry the bulk of the growth going forward. 
Thanks, Tom. You know, one other topic that the MRO survey hit on this year, and it's something we've talked about over the last couple of years, is the availability of trained, skilled, and effective labor around the world. During the pandemic, a couple of things happened, right? As volumes dropped off for a lot of MROs, what we saw through our MRO survey was that most of the airlines and MROs did the best that they could not to reduce their labor workforces, understanding that this work was going to come back. But one of the challenges as we look forward is that there is a labor shortage on the horizon, both in terms of just the pure number, but also the skill sets that are going to be required to maintain the new, younger, and different technology fleet. As you take a look at that, are there any thoughts that you have around what can both industry and maybe even industry groups or individual operators or users of technical talent do to prepare for this upcoming labor shortage? First off, this shortage is in many parts of the world is real and it will very quickly become a real impediment to the industry and meeting the level of growth that we expect. We need to prepare the workforce to work on the newer, more technical, more digital aircraft that are coming today. Just continued evolution in the training of curriculum that's been underway for some time now. The, the biggest thing we need to do is get a lot more proactive in taking control and stimulating the pipeline of AMTs. And, and we need to think about it differently too. Uh, you know, the workforce today is overwhelmingly male and it's not terribly diverse. We need to think about really, you know, our efforts toward inclusion and diversity as a means to increase the population from which we pull folks into the AMT profession. If we start to think about inclusion and diversity as a way to meet this labor challenge then that really can be the key to unlocking a huge supply of technicians that, that we're quite frankly just not reaching out to today. Couldn't agree more, Tom. As I think about the next decade and from this conversation, there's a lot of challenges that are going to be facing the market from a shift in the types of aircraft and the number of aircraft, the labor challenges, just challenges with a very uneven recovery around the world, but the market itself is going to be strong and it's going to continue to grow. And I'm excited to see how industry responds to that. Tom, thanks for a great conversation today. We've covered a very wide range of topics in our episode. All of these topics are covered in our 2020 to 2030 global fleet and MRO forecast that can be found at alloverwyman.com. On the website, there's an interactive dashboard that lets users explore the results of the forecast in a deeper fashion. So to further complement this report and to take a little bit more look into the data that we have, users can take a look at the size, growth, and share of the global MRO market while also filtering by aircraft class and within specific MRO segments and regions. Definitely would encourage you to visit the website and work on that interactive dashboard to answer any of your own individual questions. Yeah, thanks, Brian. And additionally, I'd like to mention to our listeners you can download the full MRO forecast report and you know, have a deep dive into where, how, why the fleet MRO demand will expand over the coming decade. And I'd like to thank all our listeners at home for joining us on the show. If you have any questions or comments on what we've discussed today, please write to us at Oliver Wyman on LinkedIn and Twitter.